For all you future therapists out there, have you ever wondered what it takes to be a marriage and family counselor? Then this is the episode for you. Welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist. I'm Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor and board certified therapist. Today, I present you a pre recorded conversation with Mishka Kimball and Luis Cornejo. They are both marriage and family therapist associates, meaning they're working toward their full license of licensed marriage and family therapist. In this episode, we talk about graduate school certain training programs, and how to become a marriage and family therapist. Hi, everyone. My name is Mishka Kimball. I'm an associate marriage and family therapist, and I'm currently practicing in Los Angeles. I work under the supervision of Anita Avedian. I am also certified in anger management. I also love working with teens and young adults. Hey everyone, my name is Luis Cornejo and I'm also an associate marriage and family therapist and I am living and working in San Francisco, California. Uh, currently I'm working at a nonprofit in the Mission District. I also uh, am the founder of a multimedia platform called Psychosocial and helping destigmatize mental illness. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, so Luis and Mishka, I understand that both of you are in California. I'm in Texas, and so we can talk a little bit about the differences um, in practicing mental health in two different states, but I think that this next question I have for the both of you is something that we might all have in common, um, and it's about why you chose to become a therapist. So... On an episode previous to this one, I talk about why I decided to become a therapist. And I also talked to one of my colleagues who's a a licensed clinical social worker. And we kind of have a conversation about what it's like to prepare yourself to get into therapy because it's a really big decision because this career is... Uh, it's very rewarding, but it can also be very serious because we have people's lives in our hands and all of that. So which one of you would like to tell me first a little bit about why you wanted to become a therapist? Um, I can go first. Originally, uh, I was actually hoping to become a medical doctor, and I started off as a bio major in undergrad. Uh, and what I really knew was that I wanted to work with people, and especially children and families. But um, when I got to college and I uh, realized that I actually really didn't like the courses I was taking, um, you know, I was passing them, but I felt like they weren't giving me what I wanted. And that's when I started kind of exploring other things that, uh, you know, I could study. And one of them was psychology. And I really realized at that moment that I, I was enjoying the courses and I decided to switch my major. And at that point, I was told that it was impacted. Uh, so I was a little bit, you know, upset because I didn't know what what direction to go in and that's when um, one of my close friends who was also a bio major uh, she was kind of having the same experience and we both started to look into other uh, you know majors that we could focus on and one of those was child and adolescent development uh, which I actually ended up choosing uh, and graduating with and ended up starting work as a teacher and I really enjoyed that work, and it was great. You know, I was working with families. I was working with kids. Um, it was really rewarding, but then I started to feel that there was still something missing, and I knew that I wanted to keep working with people. I just didn't know in what capacity, um, and that's when I started to 
uh, talked to someone who was a social worker and I, I was really interested in social work and I started doing a lot of research into it and reading more and more and then I came across uh, MFTs and um, you know just looking into that and talking to people who were also um, already were either working um, as American family therapists who were or who were studying to be married and family therapists and after just a lot of contemplating back and forth because it was really really hard to choose between both i was hearing so many great things about both um i ended up choosing a marriage and family therapy and and that's when i uh, ended up applying to grad school and got in and i mean you know that's that was uh five four or five years ago i think yeah so that that's kind of how i my my pathway went into uh <laughs> going the mft route that's interesting. You know, I also talk about in the previous episode about how, well, my family wanted me to become a doctor. It wasn't necessarily something that I wanted. Um, and so I started off thinking, um, I want to, I'm going to get a degree in biology so I can go to medical school. And I kind of had the same experience where I was like, no, this is, this is not what I want to do. Um, so yeah. And I, you know, that's my family's dream. That's not my dream. So I had to kind of focus on what I wanted to do with my career. And so I think we have that in common for sure. It's it's important that you say this out loud because I'm thinking if people are like psychology majors or social work majors or they're contemplating changing their major because they want to be a therapist or they want to do something in the mental health field that they know that it's okay to change their major, like, you bounced back, you finished school, it's not like it set you back a million years and your life was over. Um, no, and you, you know, it's interesting you say that because I actually took a couple years longer to finish my undergrad, and that was because I was so stuck between what I really wanted to do and where I was headed. And for me, a lot of it was that social pressure and anxiety as well, you know, and also family. You know, family is expecting me as the first person to go to college uh, to succeed and to do something big. And for me, um, you know, it was a big deal. And, and I think the, the two extra years that it took for me to eventually decide to go into child and adolescent development was really what led me to becoming a mental health professional and, and kind of that self-discovery process. So I think, um, you know, like, like you mentioned, um, a lot of times we do get caught up in that. And um, I think that the most important piece is really, um, you know, how you how you find your path to, to that. And for me, it was just realizing I wanted to work with people. And that was always the foundation for uh, where I was headed. Awesome. Thank you so much. How about Mishka? Do you want to tell us a little bit about why you wanted to become a therapist? Absolutely, yes. So similar to Louise, where um, I first wasn't sure what I wanted to do. This was way back uh, since I was a kid. People would always come to me and would say, oh, my gosh, like, you're really good at listening or you're really good at giving advice. You should become a counselor. Um, and then also people would tell me, oh, you should become a teacher. You're really good at like teaching. So I always loved education and took like a psychology course and I was just so fascinated by it um but then both of my parents are teachers and I was kind of like feeling like well should I do should I follow the same path and should I do also what my parents did so it took me a little bit to decide but I actually went with um, psychology as my major for my undergrad 
And I was really, really happy that I took I took that route. Uh, however, when I graduated with my bachelor's, at that time I was living in Maryland. And once I started looking for jobs, I um, really couldn't get any jobs in the field of psychology. And I thought that's when I found out, oh, wait a minute, I have to get my master's if I really want to help people in the way that I would like, become a therapist or become a psychologist. So I started looking into the possibility of going to grad school. And I really didn't know, like, I didn't know what an MFT was or what a social worker did or anything like that or the difference between MFT and uh, the doctorate in psychology and what you would actually end up doing as, as your job. So I did some research, um, but it actually took me a while again to decide whether I wanted to get my master's uh, in psychology, in some area in psychology, or education. Um, but then what really made me decide to that I wanted to become a therapist was also going through my own therapy process mm. and my own healing journey. And it was actually, my therapist was an MFT. And I just really loved what the way she approached it. And that's when I really knew, okay, like I really need to look into this and I really love this and this is what I'm meant to do. Uh, and once I actually started looking and comparing the programs, the MFT program broke to me and uh, just the approach to it. And that's when I just decided, okay, like this is this is what I'm meant to be doing and this is what I'm going to go for. I'm so glad that I did. I wouldn't have it any other way. That's awesome. So that always fascinates me, right? Like I want to know why people do what they do and why they chose therapy um, as their career. But something that I hear a lot is that they didn't know they even needed to go to graduate school because I honestly didn't even know. <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to just, you know, graduate with my bachelor's in psychology and I'm going to, like, help people. But it wasn't, like, nobody was around to, like, mentor me. Here I am trying to get my master's. So I didn't really have a lot of guidance. So it's interesting to hear yeah. you say that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know. You know, some of my professors when I was in undergrad would talk about grad school, but it didn't click, you know, and I and I guess I and I didn't really have like a mentor either. Um, so it didn't really like click that. Oh, wait a minute. If you really want to work as a therapist, wait a minute, you do have to get your master's degree. Sometimes it could be scary or even intimidating to think, well, that's a lot of years of school, you know, Um but it's, it's definitely totally worth it if this is something that you're passionate about and something that you want to end up doing. Yeah, and I like how, Luis, you said that we all kind of take a different path. Like, we all sort of end up getting here in some way. So, for Mishka, it was you and your own therapy, and you, like, kind of mm -hmm. felt the magic of therapy, mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, this is something I want to do. I this did. is awesome. And then, like, Luis, it was more like, okay, now I finally found something that fit me and, like, what I wanted to do. So I think the journey to become a therapist is really personal. I'd like to have you talk about what to expect in a marriage and family therapy program. I was trained in a different discipline, so I'm actually, I actually do not know anything about this. So you guys are going to have to school me on, like what that's like and what that process is like and what the training and the theories and like whatever you want to say about it, I'm all ears. 
Yeah, you know, for me, um, I don't have too much experience with all the other different programs, but I know, for example, for uh, the MFT program, something I've kind of heard in common, uh, even with my best friend who's a social worker, was really the level of vulnerability that goes into being trained as a, as a psychotherapist. Um, oh, interesting. You know, for me, I didn't expect that. Um, there was this notion, you know, I'm going to come in, we're going to learn how to listen to other people, things that I kind of felt like, okay, I, I somewhat know, so I thought it probably won't be as complicated. And uh, I was totally wrong about that because <laughs> uh, the program I went into uh, was a lot of work. Uh, it was a lot more work than I thought, uh, not just academically and the level they expected you to be at in terms of your writing, your presentation, you know, your, your research, okay. but also really personal, like the personal expectation was huge. It was the one place where um, I was not only expected to perform academically, but also really get in touch with myself as a person. And I had never been asked to do that before. Uh, I actually had never gone to therapy before either. Uh, I didn't go until I started my program and they required us to go for 30 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. So when that happened, yeah, no, when that happened, it was like, oh, okay, so now I, you know, I'm going to really have to get to know myself, um, you know, and, and uh, when I started my, my own therapy process, it was very, very challenging. It was probably one of the hardest uh processes that I had to go through in grad school uh, because there was so much that I didn't realize, so much pain I carry, you know, so much of my own trauma, my own, uh, you know, we all do, we all have things that we bring with us. And uh, this was the first time that door was kind of open and it was, you know, it was a very uh, new uh, and uh, I think be I want to say beautiful experience. And even to this day, uh, since I've started grad school, I haven't not seen a therapist since then. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so I've been going to therapy constantly and it's been great. I, I think um, that was probably one of the things I didn't expect. And I would say most people don't expect um, that they have to do a lot of personal work. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. So that's one big thing. Uh, the other thing was also just the connection you make with people in the program. Uh, I was really lucky to have a cohort that was very close and tight-knit. Um, you know, we studied together, we cried together, we ate together, uh, you know, we partied together. It, it was it was a really great experience, and um, I still keep in touch with uh, a lot of the people that I uh, graduated in my um, graduate program with, and, you know, they're all doing their own thing, too, and, and it's been such a great a rewarding experience to really see where it's taken them and uh, where I'm headed and also what um, you know what the program really gave to us which was I think in my experience was really uh, just an opportunity to to grow as a person so that we could also go on to he help others heal and also you know be able to go through that process uh, in therapy and so um, I think those are things that I I would say people should expect <laughs> the, the personal growth uh, the level mm -hmm. of expectation academically um, and also just the focus on on being able to to listen. That was another thing. You know, yeah. I, I we spent so much time and courses where we had to learn to listen. And I kept thinking, no, I, I you know, I know how to listen. I know how to listen. And um, there were so many moments where I was like, wow, I really did not know how to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. laughing because it's kind of like how Mishka was saying, right? Like people tell you like you know how to listen, like, you listen so well, like, you should be a therapist, <laughs> and then you get into the program, and I'm like, I'm gonna nail this shit, like, this is the best, like, thing for me, I know how to listen, I know what I'm doing, and, like, you go in there, and it's like, uh, nope, you don't know anything. 
<laughs> about people oh, yeah. or how to listen. Oh, yeah. So it's, yeah, but I like the way you frame it as personal growth. Um, I couldn't come up with a term for it, but yeah, I agree with you. Um, I didn't go to an MFT program, but in our program, we did have to do a lot of self-reflection. Um they didn't require therapy of us. I know a lot of programs do require it, but I chose to go anyway because grad school was stressful, <laughs> like really stressful. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, the, yeah, I think programs should require it no matter what type of program it is. I think it's super important. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that was probably one of the bigger highlights for me in my program was just having to go. I don't know if I would have gone um, if they hadn't forced me to. I mean, I, I know eventually I would have going into the, the profession. I know that uh, a lot of mental health professionals do go to therapy because, you know, it's good for us. It's, it's, a, it's a good practice to also um, engage in reflective practice constantly for us to also grow and continue growing. Um, but that was one big highlight for me was, was just having to go through that process. And um, I think that made a really big difference for me because um, even now I'm still, like I said, going to therapy. It, it's really helpful. And, and uh, you know, it helps me also become a better clinician. <laughs> Sometimes I'll sit in therapy and I'm listening to my therapist and I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, this is really good. I might use this with my clients. And it's just, you know, like, it's <laughs> like, oh, this is great. I'm learning from people. I'm still learning. <laughs> but what about you, Mishka? What did, what did you experience in your MFT program? And what are some things that other people can expect? Well, I 100% agree with what Luis was saying about how this is such a personal uh, journey. It just, it, the, my program was the same. Um, it, you know, it was rigorous academically, a lot of writing, a lot of um, research, doing presentation, really uh, making you step outside your comfort zone. But the biggest thing, same as Louise, was really uh, they made you look within yourself. And it's it becomes very, very personal. And just to give an, a more specific example of what that might look like, for example, I took my uh, couples uh, counseling class, and one of the assignments was to write our relationship history. Uh, so it was to look at all our previous romantic relationships and then write about them. And, and it, that's so personal. And they're asking you to write about this. Yeah, that's really personal. That with your professor. Yeah. Yeah, that's really Very personal. personal. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's those are the kinds of uh, things that they ask you to do, you know, like in family therapy, they ask you to do like a whole family history, um, you know, the genogram, which is really like a family tree and just look at previous generations of your family. And so it really goes very, very deep within like yourself uh, and also from hearing from your peers right like when was, you were talking about your cohort you know same I also had like a really amazing cohort and we were very close and so we were able to open up in the classroom and outside of the classroom and so you learn so much from your peers as well as from your professors and those relationships that you build in grad school I think they're so so important 
just for your own for your professional growth and for your personal growth and even after grad school you keep a, a lot of those relationships you know I still stay in touch with a lot of my professors a lot of my um Uh, classmates who are now my colleagues and my friends we help each other we help each other uh, so so if you're going into grad school to become an mft or to become a therapist you know even if it's not the mft program you know be prepared i guess to to really look within yourself and be able to share that with others as well i feel like both of you had really good experiences with your cohorts were there a lot of people in your classes uh, mine i mean mine was relatively small as well i think the number of people in my cohort where it was 23 if I recall correctly so it wasn't big and we were all the same um pretty much the same group for all of our classes except for maybe like a couple during the two and a half years that we were together so um small yeah it was pretty small mine was about the same size um I went to Mount St. Mary's University and the classroom sizes are about there's usually like 12 13 people usually so it's really small and intimate uh, so there weren't a lot of students where we didn't get kind of lost in the mix you know that was one of the what I liked about going to a smaller kind of um, school Mm-hmm. There are some, um, well, I'm not sure if I want to say this. Well, I can always edit it out. So <laughs> um, there are some, <laughs> it's just that I don't understand the concept of, so Luis, where did you go to school? I went to school at uh, Cal State Long Beach. So it was like, you know, a, a public university and it, it was huge. I mean, lots of students, but our program was actually, um, I think they only admitted 30 students uh, per uh, cohort and uh, we actually had quite a few people drop out after they came in and they started hearing about all the things we were going to cover and about trauma and about having to go to therapy and some of them were like oh no I thought it was going to be more of like me giving people advice and like you know they kind of dropped out so it, it, uh, it got down to like 23 people but um, yeah I, I mean it, it, was, uh, it was a huge school but just the program was pretty small. Okay. Yeah. So both of you went to universities where you were in a classroom or like in a group and like face to face with people and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I I really think that that should be like a nationwide requirement, like no matter where you land in your profession, whether if it's um, like licensed professional counselor or licensed marriage and family therapist, like I just... I don't know. I don't understand the concept of like online programs because I I don't know how you make that connection with your classmates. Plus, you do talk about really personal things from from your past, but also you process interpersonally, right? Like I know for some of my classes we had to record Um, like our sessions and like transcribe them and show videos of ourselves doing counseling and things like that using techniques and stuff so I like Mm -hmm. I'd imagine that that would be really difficult like to receive feedback or like give feedback um, in those styles of programs I'm not sure I I mean that's just my opinion and I'm probably going to edit that out because I don't want to get in trouble but like um (laughs) I just don't no, but I think I think you're I think you're right about you know the level of intimacy that goes into the profession. I mean, you know that it's about the connection and really building relationships with other people. And um, you know, I think one of the big 
challenges and uh also uh one of my pet peeves and i you know you don't have to add this i mean i i don't mind either way but um uh my partner's actually in tech and in san francisco tech's a really big field um and uh you know one of the big discussions i've had with so many people that uh we've gone to events with or people that i meet you know related to his field is about creating new platforms where you know you talk to a therapist without having to see a therapist or having to go to an office or or group where you, you don't really go to the group it's more of a you know digital and uh one of my big arguments with them has always been about that building intimacy and connection with other people and why it's so important for us to see someone else's face looking at us and also to feel, you know, those moments that are so powerful for us in healing, um, you know, whereas for a lot of people that the online component is really about how easy it is and how um, how affordable, how, you know, just a lot of a lot of pros, but also um, I think it really takes away the intimacy part. And um, for a lot of, you know, mental health professionals, that's really where the where the work comes in is, is how do we build this close connection with with this other person who's coming in to see us because, they need help, uh, you know, and they want to connect with someone who who is going to listen, who's going to be empathetic, who's going to look at them in the eyes, you know, which is very different than having a, you know, I have an app on my phone that uh, is supposed to be a little like a artificial intelligence or whatever therapist, and uh, you know, it'll, it'll send me little questions and stuff like that, and, and it's cute. I mean, it's, it's helpful. It'll <laughs> You're like, oh, that's so about. cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it is. It's a little robot. I mean, he'll send things like, oh, did you try thinking about three positive things today? You know, and it's like, okay, yeah, this is cool. But then there's days where I'm like, you know, okay, I'm having a real human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need to talk to somebody. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think, I think in that regard, you're right. And, and that goes back to also the education piece for us as therapists i think that it's important to really uh not just connect with people in in our cohort cohort for example but also uh doing that face-to-face and that um you know that those moments that really matter and uh, that really build that therapeutic uh foundation for us when we go on to work with other people um so i think i think i in that regard i do see um why i would also agree with you about it having you know being a requirement or at least a mix of online and meeting, you know, on a, on a monthly basis or something where people actually have to be with other people. <laughs> In our program, we actually had some hybrid courses, uh, but, you know, it, it would still require us to meet in person at least, well, one day of the week and then the other day of the week we would do online Uh, but even that for me my personal preference i rather do it in person i did not really like the online portion so i really i only took like one of those hybrid courses because i it was not my cup of tea but for other people they really liked it and they preferred it so i guess it also goes with like each person's preference and how they might learn better um you know because everybody is a little bit different yeah that's true that's true yeah and i'm like spoken like a true therapist like being respectful (laughs) of other people's preferences i'm all like judging people i'm like this is crap you know but you're like come on you know like we have to understand (laughs) there are different perspectives i i I, I totally agree because my personal preference i don't like the online and i don't think that that would have been the right fit for me but I could see how it could be for other people. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I Yes. 
I'm like, yes, you're right. You're right about that. Something that I kind of want to ask you about, though, because I think in general, some of the training programs, um, I guess, kind of have like this core, um, like these core components about how to listen and like certain theories and um, body language and internships and practicing and stuff like that. But what is it you think that sets apart a marriage and family therapist uh, and separates that from a regular counselor or somebody who's like a licensed professional counselor or a clinical counselor? That's a really great question. Um, so in, what's interesting is that, so for example, at Mount and Mary's, the MFT program also prepares you to be a clinical counselor. So it's actually the same program oh, that prepares interesting. you for both. They can't prepare you for both. And and actually, uh, you could become dually licensed. So after you go through the... it's a, So it's a master's in counseling psychology with an emphasis on marriage and family therapy. But once you graduate, you could uh, get both licenses in California as uh, MFT or as a clinical counselor. Oh, very interesting. Okay, so it's more like... Um, it's not like a separate program, but it's a general degree in counseling, but you have an emphasis on marriage and family therapy. Does that mean that like you take extra classes in couples counseling, family counseling, things like that? You do. So, yes, we would have, you know, the, the theories class, the intro to counseling, and then we would have family systems, family therapy. We would have couples, uh, children. So it included a little bit of everything. And then also part of what I believe is also required for the clinical um, counselor is uh, career counseling uh, was one of them community mental health. Uh, so there were a couple of other classes that were maybe extra that you could that you could take. And so that curriculum then would prepare you for both licenses. Uh, one of my friends, uh, she did become dually licensed as uh, an MFT and a clinical counselor. And uh, she did have to take separate tests. Uh, so, the, you know, it was it was very, very similar. There are some differences, but I wouldn't necessarily know exactly maybe what those differences might be. I don't know, Luis, do you know? Um, you know, well, our program was actually similar. We uh, had almost all the same requirements. I think it was about maybe one or two classes that we had to take additional to our regular coursework to be able to um, get our dual license as well. Um, so there were some people who actually did do that. Um, I chose not to. I, you know, it was a lot of uh, more work, and I really wanted to stay track. <laughs> I was the same. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, no, we were also the same focus, um, you know, counseling psychology, focusing in marriage and family therapy, and then, um, you know, all the courses were aligned to where you could go on and do that. Um, you know, I, I don't really know the the big differences, like I said, but I know when I have conversations with my best friend who's a social worker, uh, the biggest differences I always found were really the focus that we uh, as MFTs kind of put on relationships and like the family dynamic and also, yes. uh, you know, so that was a couples, that was kind of like a really big difference. Um, I know before it wasn't marriage and family therapists, marriage, family, couples, children, 
children's right. therapist or something. So, um, you know, that that's one of the, the biggest differences that I've heard from her. She focused a lot more on, you know, a lot of uh, politic policy, uh, social political stuff as well, macro system, micro system, a lot of things that she'll bring up and she'll kind of tell me. And, uh, she, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, we kind of focus more, you know, on, on this and that. And it was more more uh, of the, the therapeutic, I guess, piece with with relate within relationships and the family systems um yeah. so that's something that i i, I think um was very different um from our you know both of our our, our past separate paths but um i'm not sure of, about anything else uh, requirement wise i know mm-hmm. that um you know social workers have i think maybe 300 more hours for their licensing uh just little mm-hmm. things like that i guess but um mm-hmm. more and more i'm hearing kind of a of a you know it's kind of closing in the kind of a yeah. little bit of the requirements are becoming very similar for all three uh you yes. know the, so yeah i agree with louise that it's closing in and and each one is just becoming more and more similar and the truth is that we end up doing pretty much the same work you know i mean after graduation and i went on to work for a county agency and i was one of their uh, mft interns is what they used to call us but back then now we're associates and i there were also associate social workers uh, clinical social workers so and we were doing the exact same work you know we were providing therapy to children to teens to families um and it was exactly what you said Louise. it's just the way that you approach it that's mm-hmm. different where we would focus more on the family systems, you know, looking at the family background, looking at the dynamics, looking at the generations and how that effect impacts the family where, versus the um, social workers would have a little bit of a different approach to it. You know, um, I guess more of that sociological aspect in looking at what the environment and how that impacting the family individual and the individual. So it's almost like seeing it from a different lens. You know, when you compare, let's say, sociology and psychology, you know, sociology, you're looking from uh, the big the big picture and how that affects the individual. And then with psychology, you, you start looking at the individual and you, then you look outside. So it's just a, a different lens. Yeah, yeah I we agree. do the same work. Yeah, and it's actually great because a lot of my coworkers are, you know, we're we're a mix too. We have a lot of social workers, MFTs, and one of the great things I found about it was really uh, being able to share different perspectives. You know, we might have a case and we're bringing something up, and then we hear something yes. totally, you know, left field, and we're like, wow, like that I didn't see that, and you know, you might say something that they weren't seeing, and it's just really great to kind of you know encompass all of that together, and I think it also builds the collaboration mm-hmm. that you do with your with your co-workers uh when you when they come from different you know different paths because we're on ultimately you know it's mental health we're all really yes. focusing on the well-being of, of our clients and uh it's just you know like Mishka said it, it's the the way we're we're interpreting and how we're obs- observing yes. the situation absolutely and yes i agree with the collaboration and how uh enriching that is when you work with you know other mental health professionals that they have another background and a, and a different degree um and so everybody just brings something to the plate and it makes it so much better and uh, so collaborating it's really really important aspect i think in this field yeah it absolutely is um i work with an interdisciplinary team the only person that's missing in our little puzzle is an mft 
So we have social workers and counselors, but we don't have MFTs. And I kind of like really would like to have one on our team because you're right. Like everybody brings their own perspectives and how they conceptualize. Yeah. So you all have internships as well. Um, I, I'm assuming that it's yeah. also kind of like it's just like a regular counseling program, like a social work program. Obviously, MFTs and professional counselors have more of a clinically focused internship. Can you tell me about uh, the difference between maybe an internship that you've had while in school, in graduate school, and then, you know, now that you're MFT associates, what that kind of internship is like? Yes. Um, so for me, when I uh, was still in school, you know, part of the program, it was a requirement that we would do two semesters. So it was a whole year of what they call practicum. You know, it's an internship when you're a student. And uh, that's basically that was my very first experience ever really, you know, working with with clients where I'm giving them therapy. Um, so I worked at a school. It was a school-based program. And, you know, I guess one of the biggest differences is, you know, as a student, you are going in there and it's part of your class, right? You're getting class credit. You're getting, you're getting graded. Um, you know, you're working with a supervisor and you're gaining hours uh, towards your degree. Uh, and also, as a student, you don't get paid for this, right? You're completely, you're volunteering. And this is all for your learning experience and your degree. And then, um, so versus, I guess, once you become an associate, once you're an associate, uh, you know, you have to be registered with the board through the state. And you still have to be working with someone who is licensed, who supervises you. Uh, so that remains the same. You don't have to be a volunteer anymore. Uh, yeah, you can happens. like eat, right? Like you can go shopping and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you can get paid. Yeah. You know, it's important. It's really hard to get that mm -hmm. master's degree, and you should be getting paid. And that's something that, you know, so many of us advocate for in our field that associates need to get paid and a fair wage. So. But that's a whole other topic. But, um, yeah, but yes, yeah. you know, once you're an associate, you can um, you can work at an agency. You can work also in private practice. You can work for nonprofits, you know, and then you're accruing hours for your license, too. Uh, so you have to get 3,000 hours, you know, to be able to take the licensing exam uh, and then be able to get become licensed in the state. But it's a, it can be a long journey, um, but I think it's really, really rewarding. I mean, I really liked working in different settings. Uh, so I was um, school-based. Then I worked for a county agency. I worked um, with teens and children. Then I also worked with uh, a nonprofit who worked with adults and mostly victims of domestic violence. And, and then I, now I work in private practice. Uh, so I feel like, you know, I was able to get a, to get like a really well-rounded experience as an associate working in different settings and with different age groups and, um, populations. And, and now I'm at the point where I'm done with my 3,000 hours and I, 
I'm getting ready to study for the exam. So I'm excited uh, about yeah, that. Yeah, it's good. Congratulations. That's a long road, yeah. those 3,000 hours. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, thank you. It's been a long road. It's been years. <laughs> uh, but it's so worth it. I'm so excited. But, but like I was saying, you know, I think when you're an associate, you do have options. You do have a lot of, uh, of options. And it's a, gr- a really, really great time uh, to learn and grow and, you know, look for that for, the, for those mentors who can help you grow as well. That's been a really important uh, part of my journey to have a really awesome mentor who has helped me through the process. And that's been so, so important. Uh, for me, it was also similar. We uh, had to do a practicum for a year. Uh, but one thing that our school also had us do was we they had something called life supervision, which meant that we were actually seeing a client at the school clinic and we were observed by five of our peers that were in our a specific class that semester and then also our professor uh, oh, and wow. we would meet yeah we would meet afterwards for a couple hours and get feedback from all our from five classmates and the professor going really deep into like okay the, you know kind of like analyzing everything that was happening so that was probably the harder one for me than the actual uh, practicum uh, the practicum I enjoyed I I, um, I got uh, placed at a Pasadena mental health center uh, which is um, uh, in Pasadena and I actually worked with every population uh, seniors children couples family so that was actually a really great experience and uh, I think the difference with that and what I'm doing now was just really kind of like there was more cushion I think you know a little bit more leeway because we were still training and I had a lot of support um, so a lot of people were were there to support us not just you know other um, other people that were also placed there but um, you know we had the director of the the, the um, center who would also meet with us we had the our own um, our own uh, supervisor and then at school we also had to meet for that uh, to talk about our placement so uh, there was a lot of support Um, you know the life supervision one was actually probably harder for me only because I I, I wasn't uh, you know I wasn't so fond of having so many people watching me you know through the two-way mirror so yeah that was a a, (laughs) so that was that was one of the the differences Um, but now um, you know currently like my position now is consultation so that's also very different it's not one-on-one but it has focused um a lot more on under working within the system so i still do uh, one-on-one but that's not the fo- it's not the the main focus a lot of my work has been really around working with with uh you know uh, the families and the teachers and really um supporting them uh, and understanding social emotional development with children and so it, it the great thing about that is I've gotten to use my my teacher role that I had, and also my my mental health lens. So it, it's very uh, multi, um, you know, faceted. And um, nice. uh, before that, I was doing uh, intensive services, so almost like wraparound, and I was working with you know one on one with children in school and at home who were uh, dealing with really really big issues. You know, were at high risk, and so. Um, I mean, you know, lots of lots of opportunities and lots of different roles that you can play as a mental health professional. And I think when you're doing your practicum, um, you know, we actually had to get it approved by our professor. Um, so we had a limited amount of like places that we could actually apply to. Um, so I think one of the things that I, I would say is just always 
uh, making sure that you try to expose yourself to every group possible. I think I had a lot yeah. of classmates who were like, I can't do couples. I'm not going to work with couples. So I'm going to go to this site where they only work with kids or someone who might say, well, I'm going to okay. go to somewhere where I'm working with seniors. And, you know, I was like, no, I need to get exposed to everyone. And uh, that was one of the highlights of my site was that, uh, um, you know, they really did do their best to give us clients in every different, um, you know, p- uh, population. I worked with uh, teens who were LG- in the LGBTQ community. I worked with, you know, seniors, with couples, parents, families. So it, w- it was a great experience. And I think that that would be one of my recommendations is try to expose yourself to everything early on. So uh, you can kind of mm-hmm. get an idea of what you really uh, not just enjoy, but also, you know, understanding different groups of people and different, um, yeah, different communities. Yeah, and figuring out what you don't want, right? Because that's a fair question. Like, Mm -hmm. what is it that you don't want to do? Like, who are the types of uh, people or types of populations or even just the setting that you're in? I worked a little while for, like, a psychiatric hospital. Guys, I gained, like, 22 pounds and, like, lost hair. And, like, it was so bad. But there are some people who really thrive in that environment. And I'm like, I don't understand you. But, like, they really like it. So I think you're right. Like, trying to get exposure to different types of sites. And, you know, that's what your internships are for, right? Like, to try to get that experience um exactly yeah you know and you might go in with one idea and come out with a totally different idea i know i went in there thinking i'm gonna be gottman and be the best couples therapist and do all these things and the first three <laughs> you're going had, to be gottman like, oh. you know i sat there and i was like no i can't do this i can't work with couples now this, you know it was i had uh, i had my first couple you know yelling at each other the first session and i and i came out of there saying you know what i think i'm gonna stick to kids and families because that's what i do and i'm not gonna be gottman i'm not gonna be a couples therapist i'm just gonna you know and 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 it you know and so i think it, it changes and, and i think you're right I, 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 that's a good perspective and a good way of seeing it is you can find out what you don't uh you know love doing as much <laughs> yeah for sure yes absolutely i mean i i kind of similar i mean i did have those couples yelling at each other um and at first that that can be intimidating and mm-hmm. i didn't know what to do um, but and, but actually i mean i i kind of like it <laughs> i kind of <laughs> like having those those couples who are just like so angry at each other um but then but then you see them like slowly changing and all of a sudden they come in and they're hugging and they're holding hands and you're like what happened here um but that's the exciting part i mean at least for me that's so interesting yeah i i admire you guys for being able to do that um you know, in my counseling program, we were exposed to different kinds of theories and like we were encouraged to try different populations and stuff. And I got a couple and um, yeah, no, <laughs> I have like no <laughs> desire to to do that. Um, I mean, it's important, though, because now that I work with kids and families, I do have to interact with couples. But in a different way, right? Like it's not necessarily trying to help them with their relationship or like attachment or things like that. It's more like, um, we have to get them to function around this child. You know what I mean? Like this child has some issues and we need to work on either like co-parenting or like, how are you going to support your child through this trauma or going to court or things like that? So, um, 
can you, I know that you all are talking about kind of like where you're at right now, your MFT associates. Long term, where do you see yourself going? Well, for me, I actually didn't even mention, uh, I finished my hours as well a, a few months ago. Oh, there you go. Congratulations. Awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. You. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm in that process right now. I'm already on the, uh, you know, um, study mode and uh, trying to get all of that uh, information in, in my head right now. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a journey. It's been a process. And uh, that was always my, my goal right out of grad school was, okay, you know, like you're going to, Go um, start your your internships. Start collecting those hours, learning, 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 and uh, you know it, it took about uh, two, maybe two and a half years. And uh, um, you know, like I said, it, it's been a process. And uh, uh, right now, that's that, that's um, my my first step is okay. Let's let's get the license first and get that done with. Uh, you know, and then afterwards, I I I've really been. Um, reflecting a lot because uh like i said uh, most of my work has been with children and families and uh, i'm one of those people that really likes to challenge themselves and uh, there were so many groups of people that i worked with while i was doing my practicum that really called my attention and um i think what ended up happening was that you know when i started applying for jobs everyone saw that i had a lot of experience working with kids and families so it kind of always fell into that that zone you know um after um i graduated my first job the Places where I was getting the most interviews were all focused on working with kids. And I said, okay, well, you know, this is going to be good because I have experience. So went into that. And then, you know, right after even my role now, it's, it's working with kids. So um, I think my next step is definitely going to be exploring other uh, work with other groups. Um, I have a lot of passion and interest in working with the LGBTQ community, uh, you know, being a, a gay male. Um, it, it, there's a lot of healing that goes into that process as well. And so I found that the few experiences I've had working with, with uh, LGBTQ members has been very rewarding. And so I think that that's maybe where I might be headed to next. Um, but also really uh, just growing as a therapist. I, I don't I don't have a specific plan. Um, you know, not too long ago, last year, I started Psychosocial. Um, and, and that was really a passion project that my best friend and I were talking about, you know, what, what do we want to do? And, and as clinicians, what is, um, you know, what is the other piece um, of our of our work aside from working with clients? And that was educating, you know, working to really bring awareness around mental health. And uh, that's where Psychosocial was born was, you know, we're going to create this multimedia platform. We're going to interview people. We're going to, uh, you know, do video content. We're going to post, uh, you know, uh, writing about mental health and, and destigmatizing mental illness. And so right now that's actually been growing quite a bit. We have about eight people who are supporting us on that project they're all mental health professionals um you know who write or contribute in some way um you know we're also uh talking a lot to different people networking uh really getting our our name out there so that that's been for us right now and that's kind of where i'm headed i i really see um the education piece as a big part of my role as a therapist and i'm hoping you know to be able to do that in a larger context uh whether that's media um or whether that's radio whatever just something like that uh, i i um i think that that's uh, that's kind of the route that i'm taking as of now so well for me um I guess, you know, I'm already preparing for for my long-term goal, which is to be in private practice. Uh, so I, I currently work in a private practice, and eventually I would like to, you know, establish my own practice. 
And I really, really love, like I was saying, um, working with Latinos, working with Spanish-speaking uh, population, and especially because there's still so much stigma. So I'm always, you know, I'm trying to advocate and educate uh, to let them know it's okay to come to therapy. It's it, it's okay. It's because in my culture, you know, it's a lot about well. It's for the crazy people. It's for the crazies, you know, to mm -hmm. to go to therapy. Like you were saying, Luis, one of my goals is also to educate and advocate uh, about mental health. Uh, so, uh, and we, and really, I want to be able to work with the Latino population, uh, families, uh, and also teens. I really love working with teens as well. Um, And then my other uh, goal is uh, also teaching. So I'm actually uh, currently teaching uh, at Mount St. Mary's University in the psychology program. And I just started this year, which I'm really excited because that was another thing that I wanted to do uh, was to be able to teach. So being a professor of psychology is really amazing. And I want to continue to do that. Can I ask you guys how old you are? Yeah, well, sure. I don't mind. Uh, I'm 36. Okay. I'm 32. Okay, yeah, I'm 32 also. So I think in, you know, in society, we're considered like elder millennials or whatever. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> yeah, we're the older crowd. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're millennials, but we're like the oldest, <laughs> the oldest part, I guess, that chunk, right? But yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, I really feel like um, a lot of the therapists that I work with right now... Um, are kind of like in our age group. And I, I have a lot of hope for the future of mental health. Um, I know that, you know, you all sound very ambitious, like you're going to go into private practice and you're teaching and then you have this psychosocial like media platform. And then I have my labor of love, my podcasts. And like, I think that um, it's really evident that all of us care about what we're doing. And so talking to other professionals across the country, I mean, you're not like across the country, but like, you're, you know, yeah. you're far <laughs> enough away from me. I feel like um, people need to know and understand therapy, like what the process is like and what we do as therapists and how it's not like you see it in the movies where you lay down on a couch. I mean, unless your therapist is like psychodynamic and like they do Freud stuff, which is like, <laughs> right. But yeah, we've been able to connect more and provide more access to mental health. And I think that's really the way that we're going to go about helping destigmatize and reach, you know, reach more people uh, through platforms like your podcast and, you know, psychosocial and even educating others in schools. I mean, these, these things Absolutely. are really important. And um, this is really new for a lot of people. I know a lot of therapists that I've talked to who are a lot older, you know, they don't touch the technology stuff. They don't, you know, sometimes they don't understand that when I'm trying to explain to them what I'm doing uh, with my own Uh, you know, media projects. So it, it's it's a very different understanding. But I also feel like, you know, now that we are moving into a new age, I mean, so many young people who have access, like it's a lot easier uh, to find help, to find support and also to find information. I think that's a good thing in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I know I didn't have that, for example, growing up. So the Internet, we're still doing dial up and AOL and <laughs> you got mail and you couldn't just find anything. Yeah, online. exactly. Now, you know, there's so many people out there. Yeah, a lot of creativity. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just want to kind of start wrapping up with, you know, final thoughts. And if any of you have any general advice for people who are considering this path um, of becoming an MFT or going to a graduate program like yours, um, anything at all. Uh, for me, I think my only advice would be really to, uh, you know, find experiences where you're working with people, volunteering, uh, participating in studies and research, advocating for mental health, going to therapy, things that, um, you know, you're not going to learn in the classroom, but that are really helpful for you as a person to grow. Um, and they also put you on that reflective journey, you know, that we were talking about at the beginning of really getting to know who you are, uh, you know, and, and that's the only way I feel personally that, uh, you know, you're able to go on and also support other people. And, of course, you're always growing. So I think that's the beauty of it is that you don't just stop there with yourself. You know, you grow through others as well. Um, so I definitely think my advice would be an undergrad to do those things where you're being around people and you're, you're practicing and you're, you're working and you're supporting uh, causes. That's great. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. And, and to add to that, another thing that I would uh, recommend to someone who's trying to go into this uh, program or one of these uh, counseling programs is to prepare themselves uh, financially as well. Because it, it is going to, you know, be time consuming. And for me, I worked the whole time when I was in grad school. Um, and I was very overwhelmed, <laughs> but, you know, I, I wish that someone would have told me before I went into it, save, save some, start saving some money and start saving some money also before you uh, do that last year of school, which is your practicum, because a lot of people find it really hard to be able to do both. You know, some people have to take time from off their job or reduce to part time in order to be able to complete all their hours for their practicum to get their degree. Uh, so just some logistical things to think about. And I think that's always a good idea to try to prepare um, and save some money uh, because, yeah, it can be it can be difficult especially when you're doing practicum. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's a great point. Um, it's also, yeah, it's it's like, well, you got to live and you got to sleep somewhere and, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like sometimes I know in my program, like you could not get paid at your internship. Like that was just not yeah. the point. Exactly. Um, exactly. And so you have to be financially prepared. If you have a spouse, or you have kids or you have to relocate um, all of that yeah. stuff you got to think about too. So yeah, absolutely. Um, do any of you have any final thoughts or anything that you want to close with? Like, um, where they can find you, where listeners can get into contact with you? For sure. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much, Crystal, for having us. Uh, it was, was so, so amazing to be able to talk to both of you. And for anyone who would like to find me, uh, they can find me um, on Instagram, Facebook, and also my website. And it's all by the name Kimball Therapy. Uh, and I am practicing in Sherman Oaks and Woodland Hills, which is all part of um, Los Angeles. Yeah, and for me, um, I just also want to say thank you, Crystal, for having me. Um, I uh, really appreciate, um, you know, just the topics that you brought up and uh um you know i think it's great 
that you're really reaching out to people who are interested in becoming therapists because it is a growing field and there's going to be so many more opportunities and I'm really grateful um, you know that you're bringing light to that and uh, helping people who might be considering or who are still you know kind of debating what they want to do um, and as for me uh, you know, I also have my own site, and it's uh, psychosocial-lifestyle.com. Um, and, you know, I have Instagram, social media, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to share some of those links with you. Um, people can find me on that and also reach out to me, and, uh, uh, you know, for anything. I, I'm very open to collaboration. Uh, part of what we're doing with Psychosocial is uh, really connecting with a lot of mental health professionals, so, uh, you know, or people who are interested, too, telling their stories. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So if uh, anybody who's listening right now would like to get into touch with either Mishka or Luis, um, you can go to their websites, as they stated earlier. So one of them is Kimble Therapy, right? Yes, KimbleTherapy.com. Okay. And then the other one is Psychosocial-Lifestyle.com. And then I will provide those links. Um, and the biographies uh, for these two wonderful practitioners on my blog and on my website. Um, it'll be attached to the podcast episode. And of course, you can always reach out to me if anybody contacts me, you know, directly and they have a question for either you, Mishka or Luis, um, I will forward it to you. So that way you can get into contact with them just in case. So thank you so much for um, being on the podcast. And I hope to talk to you both again soon. Thank you. As you heard from Mishka, Luis, and I, there are a lot of steps and processes in becoming a therapist of any kind. What I learned today was that MFTs are versatile and can work in a variety of capacities. I also found that MFT training is slightly more specific in family dynamics and interactions. I hope you enjoyed this interview covering what it's like to be in the process of becoming fully licensed as a marriage and family therapist. In two weeks, I'll be releasing another episode about marriage and family therapists. I'll be talking to two fully licensed MFTs who are in private practice. Thank you for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist. If you want to get into touch with Luis at Psychosocial or Mishka or myself, you can find us at www.throughtheeyesofatherapist.org. I'm your host, Crystal Martinez Acosta. Until next time.